number six. John chapter number six is where we're going to be this morning. It's been interesting uh, for a couple of weeks here, stepping out of our normal uh, Bible study verse by verse through a book of the Bible and things. And so we're going to be doing that here for just a couple of weeks here. We've got a lot of exciting things that are coming up uh, this next week. Isaac is going to be preaching for us. And so looking forward to, to Isaac preaching. And then the week after that is Mother's Day. And then the week after that, uh, we'll be focusing on missions because that week starts our missions conference. And that'll pretty much take us through the end of May. And then we'll be getting into our anniversary service Sunday. And so uh, we're, we've got a lot of things coming up here over the next month or so. And so if you didn't pick up a calendar in the back, make sure that you grab one of those so you can know what's happening. And you make sure that you're going to be here and be a part of all the things that are happening here at Whitehall Baptist Church. But today, we're going to be in John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6 this morning. And I'm thankful uh, for everyone that's here this morning. Uh, Easter Sunday, the, 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 the service following Easter Sunday is always an interesting one. You never know what to expect. Because it's like uh, Easter Sunday is always just, just this high and this excitement and this energy. And, and everybody knows they're supposed to go to church on Easter. But the Sunday after is kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever, you know. And so I'm thankful that you chose to be in church this morning. And so I'm, I'm grateful, for, 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 grateful for that. I know we've got a few families that text us and said, hey, listen, we're sick or we're going to be out of town. There's things going on. And so um, I'm thankful that you have chosen to be here in church. You made the right decision, all right? And so I'm thankful that you are here. And, and the good news is today's message isn't even for you. It's for all those people that stayed home, okay? But please listen anyway, okay? And so, but we're going to dive into God's Word in John chapter number 6. Before we get started, let's pray and we'll ask for the Lord's help. And then we'll dive into the scriptures together this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to open your word here for a few moments. I pray now that you would help, uh, help us, God, to be able to focus our attention on your word. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, that we have a book that we can trust, a book that we can guide our life by, and that we can, we can understand is truth. And Lord, in a world that is oftentimes chaos, I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, we don't have to question if what you are telling us is true from your word. And I just pray, God, that we would settle our hearts in it this morning as we look at these things, that we would find comfort uh, but challenge from your word. And God, I pray that we'd be willing to respond to what you have for us. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me now to preach your word with clarity and with boldness and, Lord, with power. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come upon me and, Lord, that you would allow me to speak um, with, with your Holy Spirit's power. And, Lord, that each person that's here this morning would hear from you, Lord, not necessarily from me. Pray, God, you help me forget those things you don't want me to say and help us, God, just to be able to glorify you. Thank you, Lord, for the music, everything that's prepared our hearts for this time. And I pray now that as we look at the supremacy of your word, and, God, as we focus on your word this morning, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for each person that's here. Bless now uh, the hearers. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have you ever known someone that just didn't know when to leave? Uh, you know, have, have you ever known somebody like that? If you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know anybody like that. I've got bad news for you. Um, you are that person, okay? And so uh, that's, uh, you know, sorry uh, to, to break that news to you. Uh, but maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe you've had somebody that's come to your house or something. And, and it's like, you know, it's just the party has ended. Everybody else is gone. And it's just like, why are you still here? And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, maybe you've had those things and you're too nice to tell them, please get out of my house. But at the same time, you have this feeling, these thoughts in your head of like, please get out of my house, you know? And uh, we've probably been there before. I remember not too long ago, Tristan and I had went over to, to 
to Bozeman, and it was, I mean, it was pretty late. It was probably 7.30 or so, and, and we walked into a store. We've probably all experienced this before. When you walk in, and there's a greeter there. Now, my understanding of a greeter is supposed to be somebody that says, oh, welcome, so glad that you're here. Is there anything, let us know if there's anything that we can help you with, things like that. I mean, here at the church, we want to have greeters that, that are nice and that smile and are friendly and, oh, thank you for coming. Even if you walk in the door at the very last minute, they're going to say, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Well, we walked into a store over there, and I'm not going to mention which one, but uh, we walked in, and uh, you know it was like 7.30, they closed at 8 o'clock, and they looked at us and said, just so you know, we only have 30 minutes left. And it was like, oh, okay, maybe I should just turn around and just leave right now, okay? You know, and, uh, and, and you've, you know, we're, we're the ones that are there, and you know, they're making the announcements over the, the loudspeaker, you know, the, this is a reminder, the store's closing in 15 minutes, so bring your final purchases up to the front. This is a reminder, the, the, the store's closing in five minutes. This is a reminder, the store is closed, please leave. You know, I mean, like, the, this, this happens, right? We've all probably been there before, you know, where, where it's, they don't say it, but it's like they're looking at you saying, are you going to leave? Are you going to get out of here? And the passage that we have in front of us in, in, in John chapter number six, Jesus is in Capernaum. Now, Jesus had just felled a multitude. He'd gone onto the sea and, and there was the storm. God, uh, Jesus did the miracles and things calmed the, the waters. And, and then Jesus finds his way to Capernaum and the people that are there, they, they come over and, and they say, oh, uh, we, we wondered where you went. We were wondering uh, how you got here. And, and they come up to him and, and Jesus, you know, at this time he looks at him and, and, and he in fact, in verse number 26, he, he, he looks in and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw a miracle. And he says, you didn't come to me because you saw what I did and you believe who I am. He said, you, you're coming to me because you want to get fed. Because you want more food. Because you want me to, to do another miracle like the feeding of the 5,000. Again, you, you, you did eat the loaves and the, and the fish. You were filled. Uh, you, you experienced that. And so that's why you're coming to me. You're not coming to me because of who I am. You're coming to me because of what I can give you. And this chapter, Jesus begins to dive into a teaching throughout the entire passage where he begins to tell them basically this, I am the bread of life. That, that is what he goes through and that's what he teaches them. He talks about he's the, the bread of life and, and how if you eat of his flesh and drink of his blood that you can have everlasting life. And, and for, even in, in verse number 42, he, he even says that. He, he says, I, 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 I came down from heaven. I mean, he's, he's making it very clear. Listen, I am God in the flesh, okay? And, and just as it always has been and always will be, eternal life is not found in any works that we do. And, and, and Jesus makes this clear because as he's doing this teaching and as he's talking about the eating of the flesh and, and the drinking of the, the blood and, and, and the Bible tells us that they're having a hard time receiving this teaching, rightfully so. I mean, it was hard for them to understand exactly what he was talking about. Well, Jesus cleared it up. In verse number 63, he, he, he said to them, well, it, it, it is the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that gives life. It's not about drinking a cup. It's not about uh, eating bread that gives you life. He says it's the spirit that, that quickens, that gives you life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He's specifically saying there, he says, listen, you're you're getting confused here because you're not understanding what I'm saying. He's saying, listen, I am the bread. You have to trust in me. It's the spirit that gives life. The bread that I'm talking about, you know, the the taking of the bread, the drinking of the cup. Now, remember the last last, uh, Lord's Supper hadn't happened yet. But, I mean, maybe for us today, he's saying, listen, it's not by that to have eternal life. He says it's by my spirit that you have eternal life. It's, it's by who I am and what I am going to do on the cross that you have eternal life. Just like it's always been and always will be. It's Jesus and what he did on the cross and his resurrection as we saw last week, three days later, that makes all the difference. But many of those that are there listening that day didn't want to accept what Jesus was saying. In fact, they, they rejected it. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 60 today. The Bible says this, Many, therefore, wasn't just a few of them, but of this multitude, the Bible calls them disciples. Now, this is talking more than just the twelve. We'll see them in a moment. But it's talking about more than just the twelve disciples that we would think of. There were many that were following Christ at this time. Many that would label themselves and call themselves self-promoting themselves. Yes, we're disciples. Yes, we're followers of you, Jesus. That's who we are. Many of them said, uh, uh, many of those disciples, when they heard this, said... This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? You see, they loved the miracles. They they loved when Jesus fed the 5,000. They loved whenever he he did the the miracle of the bread and the loaves. And and when he collected the fragments afterwards. They loved that. They they loved when Jesus would heal somebody that was lame. Or when he healed the the withered hand. They they loved that. They loved when Jesus would raise somebody up from the dead. Or or there would be somebody that was sick. And Jesus would come along and perform a miracle. and, And heal them. They loved all of those things. They loved it when Jesus would teach. And he would say things. And he'd talk about heaven. Everybody loves to hear men messages about heaven and I mean just what a wonderful thing that it is. I mean they they loved the messages that that made them feel good about themselves. But when Jesus brought them to a moment of decision, they didn't like that. You see in this moment as Jesus has been teaching these things, he pointed as we've already seen that the the whole point really of this chapter has come to this, this, this pivotal moment where he's saying... I am the bread of life. Eternal life is by me. What was he saying? He was saying, I am God in flesh. And if you want eternal life, you have to submit. You have to believe. You have to say that I am God. And not only that, you have to make me God of your life. And that, that's a little bit harder than... Some of the other messages that they'd heard. When they have to come to a point of decision where they can't just keep going on with their life however they wanted to do it. Where they had to stop and say, okay, am I going to be the God of my life or am I going to let Jesus be the God of my life? Am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for Him? And when they had, uh, when they were brought to that decision, when they had to make that, that, that decision, if they were going to make Jesus the God of their life or not, well, that was hard. They say here that that's a hard saying. It's hard to, to swallow. It's, it's uncomfortable. And, and can I tell you this? It's because conviction is 
uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit speaking to our heart. Jesus pointing the finger at us. Listen, that's uncomfortable. And that's exactly what this crowd was going through. And according to the Bible, many of them were feeling this way. And so what happens next is interesting. It'd be a great lesson for for the preachers of today. In fact, maybe after the message, I'll, I'll save this message and send it out to some of my preacher friends, okay? Uh, but no, listen, uh, this would be a great, way, great, great lesson for preachers. This would be a great lesson for teachers. Listen, this would be a great lesson for Christians in general. Because see how Jesus responded when the crowd that was listening looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, we don't like this. We, we don't like what you're saying. Listen, we, we like the preaching and the teaching on heaven. And, and we like it whenever you, whenever you talk about uh, you know, certain other things. But Jesus, when you bring us to a point of decision where we have to say, yes, you are God and God of my life. And we have to decide. When we are brought to this point of conviction and we have to, I mean, we're brought to the end of this message. Listen, we don't like that. That's a hard saying. What did Jesus have to say? Well, the crowd grows quiet. And, and, and the Bible, you, you can hear them as it kind of makes or through the crowd. This is hard. I don't know about this. I don't like this very much. And we hear Jesus' voice in verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at him. I mean, they're complaining uh, amongst themselves. Oh, this is hard to swallow. I mean, we don't like the way this makes me feel. And, and what, what's got him all stirred up today? I mean, what's wrong with him? I mean, he's usually so nice when he talks. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, you can hear it through the crowd. What's Jesus say? Does this offend you? Did I hurt your feelings? Did I step on your toes? It's at this point that most preachers today, they would understand, they would see, kind of like, like today, uh, that everybody's a little uneasy, you know, and it's like, I don't really know about this. And, and uh, you know, and, and at about this point that they, they turn the corner and say, well, but let me tell you about how you can live your best life today, you know, and, and uh, you know, kind of turn, and, and we don't, you know, you, you kind of go a different direction. Why? Because it's uneasy. Nobody likes tension and nobody likes conviction and nobody likes to, to feel uncomfortable. And so, and so the preacher will, will turn and go a different direction. But what did Jesus do? Does this offend you? Are you offended? Are, is this hard for you to swallow? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? I mean, what does he do? He doesn't back away. He doubles down. He looks at him and he says, oh yeah, you don't, you're having a hard time swallowing this? Well, what if I just went on back up to heaven right now where I was before? What, what if I just ascended up to heaven right now because that's where I'm from? He goes on. It is the spirit that quickeneth. It's, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus doubles down on what he is saying. Listen, rather than trying to smooth things over and make everybody feel good, so everybody walks away and says, man, I was a little uncomfortable there for a minute, but then he kind of eased up a little bit and we walked out of there feeling a lot better about ourselves. No, Jesus just, I mean, he just pounds his points down and through. He says, listen, let me make it real clear to you. You're offended by what I'm saying? Let me make it just crystal clear. I am God. That's what he's saying. I am God. You can have eternal life only one way. Through me and my words and my sacrifice. And some of you don't believe. And you aren't going to believe. That's what he, he says in verse number 64. But there be some of you that believe not. But unless you come to the, father, the Father's way that he made... You aren't getting it. 
That's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, there was no smoothing things over. There's no question that Jesus loved every person that was there listening to his teaching. There's no question that Jesus desired for every person that was there to respond and to receive him and to be a follower of him. Jesus was not mean-spirited in what he was saying. But listen, friend, Jesus always speaks the truth and he always speaks the truth in love. And they had come to him with that attitude of what can you do for me today? What miracle are you going to do? God, Jesus, you fed me last time with bread and with fish. I mean, it was incredible. What are you going to do for me today? And Jesus makes it clear. It's not about you. It was about him and his work. And when Jesus wrapped up, I guess we could say it was invitation time. It was time for them to either accept him or reject him. It was time for them to either turn away or to follow him. It was time for them to either submit or to dig in their heels. It was decision time. You know, this matter of decision and and an invitation is not a new thing. Jesus, in fact, is not the one that invented this. Listen, they were practicing this all the way back in the Old Testament. In fact, in the book of Nehemiah, right after they had finished building the wall, the Bible tells us that they gathered together into the city streets in Nehemiah chapter number 8. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Hey, listen, we're going to see a church service here. That's a little bit different than what we do today. But there's a lot of similarities. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation. Now we understand the law was the first five books of the Bible. Okay, We've got the completed scriptures, but it's the same concept. What did he do? He lifted up God's word before all the people. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water from the morning until midday. How would you like that service? Okay. I know some of you are like, Kyle, it's about quitting time. You know, I can't, my, my stomach's getting, getting kind of rumbly-tumbly here. You know, I'm getting kind of hungry myself. And, and uh, Kyle, if you could just kind of wrap this up, that'd sure be, sure be great. Listen, he opened, the, opened it in morning, and he just read until midday. Man, you should be so thankful for Whitehall Baptist Church. I'm just telling you right now, okay? Listen, he says, Before the men and the women, those that could understand, the ears of the people were attentive unto the book of the law. This is amazing. They actually listened, okay? That's, I mean, that's a novel thought. Okay, and, and then Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, which is interesting to me. It doesn't say that he stood behind one. So what we need to do is build this great big pulpit, and then I'll stand on top of it and preach from there. And you all think I'm nuts. And, and it says, and beside him stood Matthiah and Shimei, and, and, then I, and it goes through and it names a bunch of people that stood beside him. Verse number five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people. Listen how familiar this sounds. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now, this is different, okay? Whenever they would read the Bible, everybody would stand up, and, and they would all remain standing while he read the Bible to them from the morning until midday. How would you like that? I mean, come on. That would be, that would be kind of, I mean, like the whole service. It's just like nobody would fall asleep, okay? I mean, everybody. Why? Because you had to stand up the whole time. And Ezra, what did he do? He blessed the Lord, the great God. You know what he did? He, he, he took the Bible and he read the scriptures and, and he, he blessed the Lord. You know what we do when we come to church? What we should be doing? We should be lifting up the Lord. 
Lifting up God, pointing to Christ and pointing our lives to him. And all the people answered. Uh, Listen, some of you, I know, if I went to you and I looked in your Bible, this part would be marked out. I just know it, okay? I just know because we don't, we don't like it. And, and, and so what you, you probably, if I went to your Bible right now, you probably would have a nice black pen mark right in there where you've marked this part out. All the people answered him. Say it with me, church. Amen. Amen. They said it two times. I mean, that's how much they agreed with it, okay? All the people. We're talking the men. We're talking the ladies. We're talking the, I mean, everybody. Amen. Amen. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. We should stop right there because now us Baptists are having a hard time with this next part, okay? And with lifting up of their hands. How many of you say that sounds kind of awkward? Can you, can you, no, yeah. Okay, no hands are lifted, right? Okay, yeah, I knew, I knew that would probably be the case. Okay, listen. Amen. Amen. I mean, like, this is how the service went in the old, we're getting Old Testament here, okay? I mean, this is, you talk about old-fashioned. This is old-fashioned as it gets, Old Testament. Amen. Amen. Listen, not because of the preacher, not because of Ezra, but because of the word of God. And then they get to the end and, and listen. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Listen, I, I don't know, you know all the reasons that we do things exactly the way that we do this, but I know what that sounds like to me. It sounds like an invitation type time. It sounds like a moment where people not only in their heart responded, but they physically responded to the Lord in, in humility. It was, it was, a sig- significant, it was significant. It was, it was a sign of them saying, God, I'm humbling myself before you. I'm submitting myself to your word. Listen, there's, there's a reason that we do things that way. <clears throat> See, anytime God's word is opened and, and God's word is preached, there's, there's one question that we should answer at the end. One. Just one. It doesn't matter what the topic of the sermon is. It doesn't matter what passage of the Bible that it's preached from. It doesn't matter what style of preacher or how they preach it and make you, make you feel. It doesn't matter if they raise their voice and get loud or if they're soft spoken. When God's word is open, there is one question at the end of that message that every person has to answer and needs to answer. That question is simply this. Is God the God of your life? Is God the God of your life? If he is, then you will submit to what his word says and respond to it. And if he's not, then you will walk out of the church as the God of your life and do things the way that you want to do them. You say, Kyle, does every service, should I, does that mean every service I need to come forward and kneel at an altar and I need to weep and I need to just, I mean, be so emotional. No, that's not what we're talking about, okay? We're not talking about emotionalism and things like that. Listen, there may be times that that's, that is the correct response. But listen, what I'm saying is whether it's in your heart or physically you actually bow somewhere and do this, at the end of every message, you should answer that question. Is God the God of my life? And if he is my God, if he is the God that's in control of my life, then my response to his word should be yes Lord whatever you want from me whatever you have convicted me about yes Lord 
I will do, I will respond to you. On that day in Capernaum, Jesus put forth that same decision to all those that were listening. Either you can decide right now that I am God or you can reject it. And we see their response. Look with me at verse 66. Interesting verse, John 6, 6, 6. Heard a preacher say one time, it's the devil's verse. Listen to what happened, it's appropriate. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. This verse is both sad and encouraging. You say, Kai, I don't see anything encouraging about it. Listen, it's encouraging to me because Jesus was the greatest preacher that ever preached and people didn't respond to him. So if you don't respond to my preaching, I'll feel so bad, okay? But, but listen, that, that's the only reason that's encouraging. This is a sad verse. Jesus himself, God in flesh, standing before these people. And he says, listen, I am God. You have to decide right now if, if I am God or not. And what did they do? They got up and they walked away from him. What a sad moment. Listen, this wasn't the world out there. This wasn't the Pharisees that did this. These were the people that claimed to be disciples. I mean, at the start, they, they said, yeah, yeah, we're disciples. We're followers of you. Yeah, we believe what you're saying. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. But when decision time came, they said, uh, I don't think so. This is hard. Makes me feel, doesn't make me feel good. I don't think that I am going to submit to that. And they walked away. And they experienced no more miracles. They experienced the, the presence of Christ no more. They would no longer be shaped and sharpened by his teachings. A multitude made its way out of the door of that synagogue that day. We know none of their names. We do not know their stories. All we know is on that day, they made a decision that would determine the direction of the rest of their lives. A decision that changed everything. Because they said, no thanks, Lord. This is too hard. I don't, this makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want this anymore. I'm going to go do my thing my way. As the crowd makes their way out the door, Jesus looks at those that remains. In verse 67, he says this to the twelve, will ye also go away? There's 12, 12 people that are left. There's 12 disciples that had been following him are left. That's all that remained. They too had been part of the miracles and the works of Christ. They had heard the teachings that he had taught. They too were challenged to make the same decision that the crowd had, that, that had just left had been given. And now Jesus looks at them and he asks a provoking question. Will ye also go away? Are you going to leave too? What's it going to take to cause you to leave? What's it going to take to make you depart from following me? What's it going to take? Are you going to leave too? You see, the multitude stuck around when times were good. But when things got tough, they couldn't get through that back door fast enough. This morning, what would you do with the words of God? The life of a disciple or follower of Christ is usually not lived by a multitude. 
It's usually not the whole church that commits and, and, and truly lives out the life of a disciple of Christ. At the very most, it's, it's just a few. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, his desires, his, his lust, his life. Deny him, his wants, and take up his cross. A life of sacrifice sometimes. And follow me. In Luke chapter number 14, he said it this way, And whosoever doth not bear his cross... And come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, the multitudes that call themselves a Christian are not interested in living a crucified life. Why? Because sometimes that's uncomfortable. A crucified life is one that, like Jesus gave the example and said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. It's in our life those times where we say, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. The, the repercussions of this decision and giving myself in this way to the Lord. And he's responding and saying, yes, God, you are the God of my life. The repercussions. Listen, I don't like the way that that looks in my mind, but God, I choose to follow you anyway. That's what a disciple of Christ will do. Most believers just do Bible things to appease their conscience. The church is full of fair-weather Christians. When things are good and clear, I'll do the Bible things. When life is going smooth, when there's no pushback, when there's no rejection, then yes, I'll do what the Bible says. But when the pushback comes, when things get hard... When a message is preached that I sit there and think, oh, I see it in the Bible. I see that it's, I mean, Jesus said it himself. Oh, but I don't like it and I don't like the way that it makes me feel. At that moment, you're going to determine if you are a disciple and a follower of Christ or if you're just a fair weather Christian. When the multitude is going the other direction, the message is hard to swallow. The Bible contradicts maybe what I thought. How will you respond? Will you also go away? Are you going to leave? You know, there's been times in my life, uh, I mean recently, there's been times where, and we probably all experienced this, where you're trying to balance life, right? Does anybody wish that they just had like, you know, a couple more hours in the day or, you know, maybe one more day in a week would be great. You know, if God could just, just if we could just pray and God can make the sun stand still like he did for Joshua, that would sure be great, okay? You know, I mean, like I've, I've felt that way so many times. And, and listen, there, there have been many times in my, my life in, in, in ministry that, that listen, I'm, I'm trying to, to be a husband to my wife. I'm trying to be a, a father to my kids. And not just, you know, like the name, but like to actually be one, right? You understand there's a difference between somebody that's, a, that's truly a dad and somebody that's, that's just, you know, the father. I mean, like, I really want to be one. And with that, I have to, you know, to work a job to provide for them and, and to, to, to meet their, their needs. And, and, and on top of that, then, then pastoring a church and, and trying to deal with people. Man, it's just, you know, but no, but I mean, and preparing messages and all these different things. And, and, and getting to that place where you feel like you're just, I'm speaking, I mean, just 
where you feel like you're failing in all of them. And it's just like, Lord, this is hard. And we've all experienced that. Listen, if you want to try your faith and you want to try your Christianity, go get some cows, okay? I'm just telling you, that's like a whole nother level, Amen. okay? Amen. Listen, they always get out on Sunday mornings. It's just the way that it is. I am convinced they are possessed by demons. I mean, they just are. Life is hard. And sometimes trying to live and do the Christian life is tough. And there are moments and there are times, whether you're an adult or a teenager in this room, and listen, teenagers have some of the hardest time. I have no desire to go back and be a teenager. I'm just going to tell you, like... It was hard enough whenever I was there. Like, you, the world that we live in today, it's a whole nother level. Like, it's awful, okay? And it's easy to just get to that place where it's like, you know, it would just be easier just to quit. It'd be easier just to go away, right? I mean, like, just to step away and just, you know, this is hard. I don't like to swallow all of these things and the commands in the scripture and the things that I know that I'm supposed to do, but I don't feel like doing it. It's easy to get there. But Peter, in this passage, after hearing a hard message, he gives the right answer. For all the times that Peter put his foot in his mouth, he gets it right on this one. Verse number 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. You can hear it. I don't, I don't think Peter in this moment like stood up and said, guys, let me tell you what we're going to believe. I don't think that's what it was like. I think in this moment, Peter had times where he did that. I think in this moment, it was, it was quiet. I mean, listen, it's easy to follow Christ when the multitudes are with you, right? But when the multitude just walked out the back door, and you're the, one of the few that are left there sitting there at Jesus' feet, all of a sudden, you're not feeling so bold. And, and I don't think Peter stood up with boldness. I think he just looked and said, Lord, what, where else would we go? You, you have all the answers. Yeah, it's hard, but, but you're true and your word is truth. You are Christ and you alone are God. And it's in those moments that our faith is put to the test. When we have to decide if we're going to live for ourselves or if we're going to live for the Lord. If you're going to choose to take up your cross and follow Christ. If you're going to get involved with what the Lord is doing. Or if you're just going to leave out the back door and join the multitudes. It's then that some, maybe just a few out of the multitudes of the crowd. In Jesus' situation, there was only 12. We know only 11 of them actually followed through and were truly followers. There will be a few that will say, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. 
There will be a few that will answer like Moses standing at the foot of that burning bush. And he said, here am I. A few that will answer like Isaiah after he had seen the Lord high and holy and lifted up. And he sat there that day and he said, Lord, here am I. There will be a few like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when everybody else in the world is bowing down in the midst of a hard situation. And all of their friends are bowing and their teachers are bowing and their family maybe is bowing. Everyone that they know is bowing down to the king, the most powerful person in all the land. And they will decide... Listen, on this day, we choose God over our very lives. There will be a few like Stephen, Stephen, who was surrounded by an angry mob and yet stayed faithful and preached God's word until his death. And Lord willing, there will be a few in Whitehall Baptist Church that would say like Peter, this world has nothing to offer compared to you, Jesus. You are God, and you are God of my life. Christian, this morning, are you going to leave? It's simple. What's it going to take to make you stop following Christ? Like, where is the line drawn in your life that you say, okay, this is the point. When it gets to this point, then that's when I say, that's ah, just too hard. For some, it, maybe it's persecution. We're not talking about, like, being burned at a stake or something. Like, we're talking, like, man, you go to work and, like, somebody says, oh, yeah, you go to church? And it's, like, at that moment, like... I think I'll just join the multitude. Is that, is that the line? May, maybe it's when things get discouraging, like we talked about earlier, that we all get to that point and we just, like, we look and we think, man, it'd sure be easier just to quit. Just be easier just to throw in the towel. Maybe it's when a message is preached that's hard to swallow. You say, Kyle, every message you preach is hard to swallow. <laughs> okay, listen. No, listen. God's word convicts, and it's like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like what it means if I, if I submit to it. I don't, I mean, like, it's, it, it, I see it in God's word. I read it in God's word in the context of God's word. It's not like something that's been pulled off some, some, some crazy shelf and, and, and some guy just stood up and said, here's one phrase and this is what you need to be. No, this is clearly in the Bible, but I don't like the way it makes me feel because being a disciple of Christ means I have to take up my cross. And the only thing a cross was used for was crucifixion. And crucifixion is painful. And crucifixion is permanent. And crucifixion means that I have to die to myself. Where's the line? Unfortunately, for some, it's just simply inconvenience. Yeah, it's convenient this day, but today it's not. And so, where are you going to draw the line this morning? Friend, the world, the flesh, and the devil is fighting for your time and your attention. And when things get hard, is it then that you are going to choose to walk away from Jesus? Or today, will you decide like Peter? Lord, 
Where else could I go? You have the words of life. And you are God of my life. I hope each and every one of us will decide this morning. God, I choose you. I choose you. Are you going to leave? Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. This morning, the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart. I'd encourage you to respond to him. We saw it in the scriptures. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, man... God spoke to my heart this morning. The, the, the question this morning is, is not some specific sin in your life or, or some specific necessary decision that you make. It, it's, it's choosing this morning to say, God, I choose when you speak to say yes to you. It's very simple. But here's what I know. I know in my life, I have to make that decision over and over and over and over and over again. Because over and over again, God specifically points to things in my life. And it's at that moment that I say, I don't like that. I don't think so. The easiest decision to make is one that you make beforehand. And I hope this morning that before you're putting that place that you have to make a decision. God, am I going to choose you or myself? That you'll choose today to say, God, I choose I choose your will above mine. With heads bowed and with eyes closed this morning, we're going to have music. Let's stand together. Father, bless now this time of invitation. Work in hearts. Speak, Lord. Move in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name.